Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you're here with us. I know some have been around Fox River for quite a while right now. Some are brand new. For those that are joining us online, we are truly excited to have you as a part of the beginning of this series, the one thing that I expect is going to be a truly life-impacting, I hope, a life-changing series for each and every one of us. Jesus was asked on multiple occasions, what's the most important thing in the scriptures. What's the most important thing in the Bible? Now, that is a good question for Jesus, don't you think? Of all the people to answer it, he would be the one that I would want to. And when he was asked the question, realize, it's a legitimate question. You see, those in Jesus' day knew that there were 619 different commands that the scripture was given. 619, 619 is a lot of things to remember. In addition to that, there were 5,422 pages, small print, that made up what was called the Talmud, which was the instructions on the 619 different instructions that God had been given. I mean, it's like having the entire medical encyclopedia in front of you and just going like, hey, what's the one most important thing in there? Yet Jesus took that question with all of the sincerity and legitimacy of it and he answered it in what I'm going to call a simply profound way. Now, this is Jesus' answer. If you happen to have a Bible with you, I'm going to ask you to take it right now and turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. If you have a Bible on your phone, tablet that's with you, grab that, Matthew 22. And you'll read these words, starting verse 36. Here's the question. Teacher, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Now, here's what I want everybody to do if you would me, please. All right? So we've got this one thing that's in front of us. So I want you to, if you would, take your fingers and do this. Would everybody do this right now? Everybody, everybody, work with me. Come on, work with me here. You can do it. If you need help with the person next to you, help them get their finger over there. Okay, right. Now, let's go. One thing. Ready? One thing. What's the one thing? Because Jesus said, like, hey, here's the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then he goes, and the second is like it. And like it means this. It means it is of the exact same thing. It's the, this is the one thing. So the one thing includes, and love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophet, all of the scriptures, he said, hangs on this one thing. Now understand, when Jesus said this, and it was memorable, isn't it? I mean, everybody remembers what the one thing is. It was just so clear that way. But it had been like something that was hiding in plain sight. When Jesus said to him, this is the most important thing in the scripture, they're just going like, wait, this is mind-blowing. Because every one of them that he spoke to, all the Jewish people there, had this one thing hanging in their homes. 
You see, on every Jewish door walking in, you would find a mezuzah. A mezuzah is this little container that's up there. In it is this passage of Scripture. In fact, the little box you see on the guy's head there called phylactery, in it was the same passage of Scripture. If you go over to Israel with us today, when you walk into your hotel room, you're going to see on the doorpost right there when you walk in, there's this, there's this mezuzah that's in there, and it has the Shema that's in it. In fact, this has become a COVID problem in Israel. Because people, as they walk in and they walk out, they will, you know, they'll touch, you know, they, they touch the mezuzah. Some of them is, you know, this, and they touch it going in and going out. And all of a sudden, hotels, you realize, like, oh, people are doing this, and now we've got COVID problems, and they didn't know what to do with this, you know, with the mezuzahs that were hanging there. In addition to the fact that people had it hanging in their house, everybody was reciting it daily. In fact, twice a day. That word, Shema, 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 that is in the mezuzah, it's a Hebrew word that simply means hear. And the Shema comes right out of the Deuteronomy, and it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. In the morning, the first thing that was said when they got up was the Shema, and before they went to bed at night was the Shema. So Jesus took that which was the most obvious thing. It's like having it on a shirt right in front of you that way. How could anybody miss this? And he said, this is the one thing. This, and it's called the great commandment because of what Jesus deemed it here, the greatest of these. The great commandment is this, that we love God and that we love people. This one thing will affect everything. This one thing will have the greatest relational impacts in our lives. Now, at this point, we could just kind of go off on a little bit of a riff and say, this incredible teaching, this capturing of a thought and idea of Jesus is amazing. I think we really do a disservice to what it is that Jesus is communicating in the one thing. He doesn't want to give you a good idea. He doesn't want to give you a philosophy of life to live by. He is giving you his vision. The vision of God is that we would love him and in turn from that love to be able to love others. Jesus said that is what is going to change this world. He said the kingdom of God is going to take place when this is right. Because when this is right, then this gets right. And the kingdom of God begins to expand in its impact that way. This one thing Jesus knew was the very heart of God. So when I was sitting with a friend of mine, I'm going to call him John. And we were in uh, Starbucks and, you know, just kind of interacting on God's working in our lives. And I mentioned, you know, hey, John, you know, here's what Jesus had said about the one thing. Now, John was, is a brilliant lawyer and a judge. And when John heard me, you know, talking about the, the great commandment, he knew exactly what I was saying. He goes, the great commandment, I find that utterly exhausting. I was like, like, what? He goes, to have to love God and then to love your neighbor 
And then to you know, love your wife and love your kids and love the people at work, he goes like, that is just the most exhausting thing. I'm thinking, like, I know John loves Jesus. I know that he's a committed follower of his. So I got to ask you, do you find the great commandment exhausting? Is it exhausting to have to love God day after day after day, to love your neighbor, to love? Is it exhausting to love your wife? Is it exhausting to love your husband? Don't look at to the side either. Like, is it exhausting to love your kids? Is it, do you have a person at work, you're like, it is exhausting, you know, that way? I mean, I thought what Jesus said, you know, the things he told us, like, my burden is easy, my yoke is light, right? But you may feel this way, like, you've got so much love in you, but if you've got it in, I mean, you love God, you love your neighbor, you love your wife, you love your, and like there are so many more cups it could be, and you just feel empty, drained, or exhausted. What do you do? I mean, this is a problem if the other thing is truly the one thing. Unless, of course, there would be a source of love that is so much greater than my own capacity for it. And if there was this source of love that would be continually pouring into me that which I needed to then in turn to be pouring out into loving others. And I want you to take your Bible right now. I want you to, if, if you don't have one, again, Grab the notes, because we've got all of this in here. But I want you to understand the source that we have for the one thing that Jesus is putting in front of us. 1 John chapter 4 tells us this. Verse number 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 19 kind of sums this up. I'm going to ask you, would you read it with me, everyone? We love because he first loved us. Now, the he there is God, so let's put God in there. So let's read together, everybody. We love because God first loved us. God is saying this, that there is a source that you can have that is a continual pouring out of love into us. We love. We love God. And we have the love that we can pour back into God because God's love continually can be poured into us afresh. 
and for our neighbor and for our spouse and for our family. And I want you to understand when I'm saying this too. If you don't have this source of love, no wonder it is that we get exhausted. No wonder that we don't have the things that we need that way. This is something that we can't miss as the foundation for what it is that Jesus wants so badly for us to get. Now, I hope everybody's asking the same question. It's like, so if that's true, how is it that God pours his love into us? And this is such an important question. I want you to this week ask in your small group that you're in. I want you to ask with your friends. I want you when you get together with somebody for coffee. I want for you when you go home to be able to talk with your family and ask these questions like, how is it that God pours his love into you. Now, if you're not a part of a group yet, I want to just encourage you to join with us in a one-thing discussion group. No long-term commitments, anything like that. All you got to do is scan the QR code in front of you, jump on our website, just go to the place that says find a group, and you can either look at the different opportunities or just says, you know, help me out, and click on that. We'll have somebody help you and find that place that you can have this incredible discussion. Because the good news is this, there isn't just a way. There are many, many ways that God pours his love back into us. And as God pours his love into us, all of a sudden we find a resource in us that is beyond ourselves, but is going to help us to accomplish the one thing and all of the other vision that Jesus has with it in our lives. So I want to start the list tonight because like who wants to go home with nothing on their list, right? How does God pour his love into us? One of the ways he does it is with his word. If you, ha- if you have a phone, if you have a tablet, and you haven't downloaded the Bible app yet, then this is a gross misuse of your phone or of your tablet that way. Because the Bible app is just, a, it's really robust. But one of the things that we encourage each and every person to do is to receive the verse of the day from the Bible app. And here's what happens. Yeah, whatever time that you have it set, I got like mine for 5.45 in the morning, you are going to get this word from God that is sent to you. This past week, seven different scriptures, each and every one of them. I found pouring God's love into me and into my life. There's a short minute and a half or so video story that goes with it, just kind of opens the whole thing up for you. If you're not doing that, let me encourage you to download it tonight, start tomorrow, because God uses his word to pour his love into us. Another way that God pours his love into us is with his spirit. Holy Spirit, and thank God for that. Another way would be his blessings, right? I mean, you know, as we respond to God's goodness to us, you know, we recognize like, God, you blessed me this way, and thank you, that praise, it just opens us up to more of God's love being poured out into our lives. That was one of those that I want us to focus on. That, just, that was a list starter. There's a lot more. And these are going to be cool conversations. But the other one is God pours his love into us through forgiveness. And if I have sensed, discerned the Spirit's leading for us this weekend, then in communion in particular, the understanding of God's love and forgiveness for us is a means that he wants to pour afresh into us. It was Jesus himself that noted this. He said, proportional 
to your understanding of forgiveness is your love for God. In other words, the love of God is poured into you proportional to your understanding of forgiveness. I put this as uh, at the end of, our, end of our notes. Jesus goes into this teaching, so there's this bonus story that I've got there from Luke chapter 7. You can look at that this week. In fact, I want you to look at this week. But the, you know, the, the don't miss this part is Jesus wasn't saying that the more you sin, that the more you're going to experience God's love. We all have more than enough sin, but the more that you understand the forgiveness of God, the more you will open yourself up to pouring his love into you. So what I want to do is make sure, first of all, everybody has communion. So if you don't have communion with you right now, in fact, I want to encourage you to get it in your hands. If you don't have this, if you just lift up a hand, our ushers will come to you. They'll get you um, one of these right now. Just keep it up until they can get to you. There's actually gluten-free options if you would need that as well. If you're watching at home, if you will make sure you've got in front of you right now, you've got bread in front of you, if you've got some juice in front of you, get that in front of you or get that into your hands right now. As we are holding a message from Jesus in us, I want to open it up, not not. Wait just a minute before you open it up, but I want, I want to open up what's the message Jesus has for us in what we're holding in our hands. Jesus says this about communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And he said, this is my body. What does that mean? When Jesus had this bread and he broke it before his disciples and it handed to him, he said, my body is going to be on the cross for a very specific purpose. He said, every time you eat this, I want you to remember me. Remember who I am, but remember what I did. My body, I was on the cross for you. He goes on. After supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, this cup is the new covenant with my blood. Now, when the disciples were together, Matthew notes Jesus' words. Jesus had said you know, to them, Jesus took a cup. And again, when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples. And he told them all, I want all of you to drink from this. Because this is my blood of the covenant, that covenant, the new relationship I'm making with God for you, which is poured out for many. Now I want you to see this. It's poured out. My blood is shed for the forgiveness of sins. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. God demonstrates, he proves his love toward us in that while we are yet, what's the word? Well, as yet, sinners, Christ died for us. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ starts out this way. That Christ died for our what? Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And we're back last week. And that he was raised again the third day according to the scriptures. Now, if I were to ask you tonight, matter of fact, as I ask you today, do you see yourself more as A, a good person, 
that occasionally sins? Or do you see yourself as B, a sinner who occasionally does good? Now, I'm not going to have you answer out loud, but all of us has a very specific impression in our mind that way. Now, for clarity, when we talk about sin, we're talking about our choice to either disregard or to disobey God. It's not an oops. Sin is when I choose to say yes to that which I know God doesn't want for me to do. Or conversely, it's when I choose to say no to that which I know God does want me to do. I choose to lie for the benefit I think that it will bring me, even though I know God doesn't want me to do it. In fact, I ignore God in order to get what I want through lying, through sinning that way. I might choose to feed my lust, and whether I'm doing that you know, overtly, physically, whether I'm doing it alone, you know, the computer screen, but I'm doing what I want to do because it makes me feel good, knowing full well that I violate the holiness, the righteousness of God when I do that. When I choose to act out in pride, when I choose to lash out verbally on social media, whatever I do, I choose to, rather than to express love, I go the opposite way of doing that. When I choose to embrace a spiritual apathy that's within me, knowing that that grieves the heart of God, knowing that it's the exact opposite of what Jesus would want for me, but I'm just like, that's what I want right now. When I choose idolatry, the love of things over God, the, the manipulation of people and whatever to be able to get what I want rather than to do what I know God wants me to do. That's what sin is. And if I were to ask, just because I'm asking, how many times in a week do you think that you would say either yes to something you knew God didn't want you to do or no to that which you knew God wants you to do? Just in a week, month, Look how these things build up. Now, we want to live with this self-deception. Well, I, it's okay. You know, God's okay with it. I'm okay with it. And that is what the deception of sin does. It doesn't affect me. But the truth of the matter is this. Every time we sin, it affects us. It desensitizes us from God. It desensitizes us from other people. That's why we don't love. It desensitizes us from sin itself. When you came to Jesus, did you come as a sinner in need of a savior, or did you come to him, you came to God saying, I want Jesus as my savior because I think that this is gonna make my life better. The night I came to Jesus, I, honestly, with this matter of sin, it was a roller coaster of emotions. Found myself with a group of um, friends that evening and for whatever reason, the speaker, he said, like, hey, there's just four things that God needs for you to know. And I don't think this person's ever spoken before, but he got up there. He was up there. Um, he'd been playing in the band before. And he said, the first thing that God wants you to know is that every one of you out here is a sinner. I'm like sitting in the seat, and I never expected that. And when he said that, it was kind of like, you know, like, 
whoosh, this water, you know, cold water that was thrown in my face. And I was so angry. The fact that he was like calling out the fact that, you know, like, you know, that it's like pointing me like, you're a sinner. And so I'm like, I am out of here. And I, I literally, I just started getting bottom of my seat, then realized like I'm in the middle of a group of people and it was like peer pressure that held me in there. So I didn't walk out and make a scene that way. But he just continued on. He goes like, and, and beyond that, he said, there is a penalty for your sin. He said, like, the wages of sin is death. That means when you die, there, God is going to judge your sin, and it's death that is going to end you up in a Christless eternity in hell. I'm like, ain't never heard this stuff before. But the reaction that was within me I still remember, this is February 12th, 1973. Still, I, I remember, like, I, I, my fists were clenched, and I had already predetermined, as soon as this is over, I'm going to go up, and I am going to pick a fight with that person, and that was my very nature, to be able to do that. I was just that offended over this, you know, calling out of sin. Now, here's the thing. It was true. I mean... I wouldn't have denied that. I mean, all my friends would have just gone like, yeah, for sure he's talking about you, right? I mean, like, there was, I, I, didn't, I didn't hide it. I mean, I, like, I ran after sin in my life that way. But for whatever reason, this person calling it out or the Spirit's conviction. And then he made this connection. He said, the reason that Jesus went to the cross, it was for your sin. And all of a sudden it was like, shh, this Green got pulled back, and I'm like, Jesus went to the cross for my sin? Now, this particular speaker, again, not very experienced at this, if you've heard me tell my story before, made this closing statement. He said, if you want to receive Christ's forgiveness tonight, if you want to, if you want to get saved, he said, you got to get up out of your seat, and you got to come down here, and you got to get saved you know, by coming down here. Now, I didn't know that you really didn't have to do that. I like knew what he's talking about, so I'm just kind of like, oh my goodness, like this is you know, like terrible. But after just a few minutes and they were playing some music, like I got up out of my seat and I came down front there. And the person was so taken back that somebody actually did, they came down here. He looked at me and he just goes like, what do you want? And I, <laughs> God, honest truth. And I'm like, I want to get saved, I guess. And he just looks at me and says, like, okay, get saved. And he turns and he walks away. He picks up a guitar and he starts playing it. I am standing in front of a big room of people. And I'm just going, like, this isn't good. You know, I kneel down, like, because it's a lower profile at that point. I kneel down and I'm just like, I remember it like it was yesterday. I said, Jesus, I don't know what getting saved, I don't know what getting saved stuff's all about. But I know that I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. It was the simplest prayer that probably anybody's ever prayed. It was just like this happening. It was like this love of God that was just being poured into this dry and empty vessel. The forgiveness of God 
is the outpouring of the love of God. Since that time, every time I've needed to go back to God for forgiveness, and there are way too many times I do not like to, you know, like, don't want to talk about that, you know, publicly. This whole, I choose to say yes, I choose to say no. I mean, like, but every time I do, it's a fresh outpouring of God's love into my life. It's not because I deserve it. Remember, it's my choice to say no to God. It's my choice to ignore him. It's my choice to violate it. But this love of his and the grace of his that's poured into me. How about you? How great is the forgiveness of God that's been poured into your life? Is your glass full with this outpouring of God's love that he has for you? If I were to ask you tonight, and this is going to get really private, it's pretty intimate, what is it that only you and Jesus know that he needed to go to the cross for you for? What is it that Jesus bears in his body to this day because Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, has taken for himself eternally a body on himself, and it bears the scars of what he did on the cross. It bears the proof marks of just how much we are loved. Those are not generic marks. Because when you look at Jesus, and when you see the scars, when you see the nail marks, and realize he did that for my sin, If you let yourself fall into the trap that forgiveness is a thing like of the past, it's not something you've opened yourself up to because you've become desensitized along the way. It's a, your sin has affected you. As we pray this, Holy Spirit, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Show me if there's any wicked way, there's any sinful way, unconfessed sin in me so that I can bring it to you. That's what you hold in your hand. Not the means of forgiveness, but the reminder of what forgiveness costs. we will open up right now together. Push the tab down, pull the cellophane back. You hold in your hand that which Jesus has made as personal as he possibly can. You are in a moment going to put this into your mouth. You are going to take it within you he's making you but Jesus said this is the reminder of my body my going to the cross and I went to the cross for a purpose and that purpose is the one who holds this in their hands you may be listening and quite honestly you've never received Jesus but you're like, I need Jesus. 
I know I need I need a savior. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I'm ready to receive him. So before we eat this, I want to give you that opportunity. Would you bow your head with me? Lord Jesus, this isn't a generic thing. And each and every one of us that have come to you personally know what it's like to have to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness that you provided for my sin on the cross. And for those that are here and they're doing that tonight, for the first time, Jesus, I'm coming to you and I'm asking you to be my savior. I believe that you died for my sin and I need that. Is that the prayer of your heart? Can I just ask, would you just lift a hand going, guy? Tonight, I'm holding this communion bread in my hand. I am trusting Jesus. How many like that today? Wherever you're at, just raise your hand. Lift it up. Yeah, God bless you. God bless, God bless you. Jesus knows that. It's so powerful and so wonderful. Click that button online. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for saving grace. And everybody in agreement said, for everyone that has trusted Jesus as their Savior, he said, my body was broken for Let's eat it in remembrance of the forgiveness he's brought to us. And now the cup. If you're at home, if you got your juice that's there, if you take that. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. It was shed for the remission of your, what? For the remission of my sins. I am forgiven because Jesus gave his life blood for that reason. This is amazing grace, isn't it? Ready to drink it? In remembrance of the forgiveness to open yourself up afresh to the outpouring of God's love. Let's do that. Lord Jesus, thank you that you were willing to suffer the punishment of hell in order to redeem, to forgive me, us, we. And it's with this good news that we want to keep it going forth because as we understand more your forgiveness and just how personal and how rich and how great it is. We're understanding more the love that God has for us. And as that love is being poured into us, we are ready for the one thing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And everybody in agreement said, as we come again, I just want to ask you this. Do you find the forgiveness of God an exhausting thing in your life? or as you have had God's love poured into you and you come to him afresh, when you feel the outpouring of God's love into you, do you find this something exhausting? Or do you find this that it is such a fulfilling, it is a life-giving thing? That's what God wants for each and every one of us to take out with us. That's what God wants us to take into the week as we open ourselves up to this outpouring of his love, then we are going to have in us that which we need to be able to take 
this love and to let this love move this way. We're going to have this one thing in front of us and this one thing, it is going to affect everything and it is going to be the life-changing thing, not only in our lives, not only in our families, but I guarantee in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our workplace as well. I can't tell you how excited for what I am that God has for the rest of us in this series. I hope that you won't miss a week, but he's got more for us tonight. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.